Talking Birds. Made possible by the generous support of the Bird Watchers General Store, Orleans, Cape Cod. Birdwatchersgeneralstore.com. By Vortex Optics. With the VIP warranty, their unlimited lifetime promise to keep you and your optic covered. Learn more at vortexoptics.com. And Beautyo Books, an independent, family owned bookstore carrying one of the largest selections of birding books in the world. Beautyobooks.com. And proudly sponsored by Ocean State Bird Club, a Rhode Island based club of passionate birders like you. Become a member and check out the fall edition of our newsletter. Find us on Facebook and at OceanStateBirdClub.org. Good morning. Welcome to our show number 816. Well, we have many contributors to this morning's show and from lots of locations. In addition to regular content provider Mike O'Connor and Cape Cod, we'll hear from our Freya McGregor via audio postcard from Alabama. We'll hear about a listener story from Plano, Texas. We'll field a question from Skokie, Illinois. And thanks to our British Columbia correspondent, we'll learn how you can get rich by watching birds with a little luck. Okay, a lot of luck. And Debbie Bleacher will join us here in the Science Corner. So here we go, starting with that Alabama audio postcard. Hi, everyone. It's Freya McGregor here. And those are Sandhill Cranes at Wheeler National Wildlife Refuge, which is in northern Alabama, just near Decatur. And it's famous for, for sandhill cranes uh, who come down here in the winter. Um, and a couple of whooping cranes too. We, we actually were here last winter and saw two whooping cranes, which was really exciting. They're a lot bigger and they're white. Um, but today, sandhill cranes, which are gray, pale gray, um, there's been mm, 200 of them uh, hanging out in the fields, just sandhill cranes <laughs> flying overhead in small flocks of three or eight and calling a lot it's it's really lovely currently we're standing in the woods um, along the um, the little cypress swamp boardwalk and there's a whole flock of cedar waxwings entertaining us as well so birds everywhere all right see you later see you later Freya thank you for that audio postcard by the way our Freya is also a mover and shaker for a wonderful group called Birdability, which focuses on removing barriers to access for birders with mobility challenges, blindness or low vision or developmental disabilities. Freya wrote a letter about Birdability to Cornell Lab's Living Bird magazine, and they have just published it as the lead letter in the current issue. If you're a subscriber, do check it out, Living Bird Magazine. It's a great magazine, by the way. On our TalkingBirds.com website, thanks to friend of the show, Shiva Gopal Narayanan in Plano, Texas. We have a cool listener story about a pied-billed grebe in distress. Don't worry, it has a happy ending. You can find it under the Read tab at TalkingBirds.com. And from our British Columbia Correspondent Trevor Flit, uh, Fletcher <laughs> comes a story about a bird watcher in the UK, somewhere in eastern England, who was out there birding and also using one of those uh, metal detector things in the process. A little, um, what do you call that? Um, um, when you're doing two things at once, um, um, uh, multitasking is what he was doing there. 
so in the process, he heard something with that little metal detector, apparently, and stumbled across a horde of 2,000-year-old Celtic gold coins. They say worth 800,000 pounds, which I believe translates to something like a million bucks. Utter disbelief on his part, 800,000 pounds, maybe a million bucks. And if you want to find some more, just go to <laughs> Eastern England. That's where he located it, proving once again that birding can be a very rewarding activity. Question, how often do grackles blink in flight? Inquiring minds wanted to know, so a study was undertaken to try to find the answer. And that study is the subject of this morning's visit to the Talking Birds Science Corner. Come up to the lab and see what's on the slab. And in this corner, it's our own Debbie Bleacher. Good morning, Debbie. Hey, good morning, Ray. So, there's a researchers at Texas A&M, I believe. They wanted to find out the answer to this question about grackles blinking in flight. Why did they want to find that answer anyway? Yeah, well, the question isn't just how often birds blink in flight, mm -hmm. but when. Mm. Um, this team, led by a Dr. Jessica Yorzinski at Texas A&M, was curious because visual attention in humans is interrupted by blinking. Like, it's known that airline pilots blink less during the tricky parts of a flight. Oh, good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, she was curious about whether uh, birds flying f have the same kind of visual attention interruptions. Mm. Yeah. And, uh, you know, if they do, then the, the, uh, that tells us something about the processes of, of attention in all kinds of species and whether, all ki and whether different kinds of brains can change physical, uh, physical actions when the need to pay attention is strong. Mm -hmm. Well, as usual, uh, birds make poor interview subjects, so how did they uh, get the blinking answer, if you would? <laughs> Right. Yeah, they tried asking the birds, but, you know, that didn't really come off that well. So they caught uh, a bunch of wild uh, great-tailed grackles, and uh, they developed a kind of helmet to put on their heads mm. with one camera aimed at, uh, at each eye. Mm. So uh, they kept the birds in, you know, their own little aviary, and then one at a time took them and put the helmet on them and then released them into a flight cage and encouraged them to make short flights while the cameras over their eyes were... Uh, making, we're videotaping the blinking action. Hmm. Wow. Yeah. We have a photo, I think, on our website and on our Facebook page of that, uh, of that uh, rather uncomfortable looking uh, array there on the head of the grackle. <laughs> yeah, that grackle doesn't look too happy. Um, it looks like, you know, a rather disgruntled sports fan with one of those beer can helmets. Yeah. Yeah, something like that. And I guess, uh, did I read this, that they used male grackles, which are a little bit uh, bigger than the females? Uh, they, they could handle this this, uh, giz this little gadget a little easier. Yeah, they might drink more beer, too. <laughs> uh, by the way, uh, kind of by coincidence, our friend Tom Nakick in Skokie, Illinois, had sent in a question um, related to this topic. He asked, how do birds avoid injuring their eyes as they fly in and out of bushes and or thickets. And as mm -hmm. it turns out, our man Mike O'Connor is going to talk about that aspect of this on uh, this uh, this uh, very show. But um, maybe you have some thoughts on that, too, based on the study. Yeah, uh, I do. The uh, Well, further research obviously has to take place about 
uh, with, with birds and uh, making longer flights and with flights around obstacles and so on. But seeing that the results of the study indicate that birds do blink like airline pilots, that is, they, they blink less and they blink more quickly during the tricky parts of the flight, then it means that they do have some kind of regulatory mechanism on their blinks, which I think would mean that when they're flying through terrain that could damage their eyes, then they'd be able to, you know, blink more or blink, time their blinks accordingly. Wow. All um, right. I got to tell you, though, there's one more research paper out of this that I'd like to see. Mm-hmm. And that's how do you get that helmet on the grackle? <laughs> yeah. And who, who has to do that? <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, get back to us when you find out the answer to that, would you? Absolutely. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Debbie. Oh, you're welcome. My pleasure. Our own Debbie Bleacher there in our Talking Birds Science Corner. Well, right now you're probably asking yourself, are there any bird festivals going on despite the pandemic? Well, yes, there are. And one of them will take place on January 27th through the 29th. It's the For the Love of Birds Festival, a virtual festival that you can attend from your couch or kitchen. Uh, that's being organized by a good friend of our show, Christy Dranganis. And it will feature some outstanding artists and survivalists and photographers and scientists and conservationists, including Richard Crossley from the famous Crossley ID Guides, Julie Zikafus, a brilliant artist and author of the book Saving Jemima, John Muir Laws, author of Laws Guide to Drawing Birds, and uh, many others. You can find out about it. Do a search for For the Love of Birds Festival, or the website is For the Love of Birds Festival. What we're hearing there is our mystery bird. This is our mystery bird contest preview. The contest itself coming along in just a little bit. Our mystery bird is a stocky, medium-sized West Coast shorebird with a short, thick bill, yellow legs, a white tail with a broad black band, and a white stripe along the wing. Rusty on the back in breeding plumage and all gray in non-breeding plumage. It looks a lot like a purple shorebird of the East Coast. When you talk about the Pacific Coast of North America, our mystery bird has it covered, feeding on mussels and barnacles as it dodges the spray of oncoming waves on rocky coastlines all the way from Alaska to Mexico and points south during non-breeding season. Its nesting grounds are in the Rocky Mountain ridges of Alaska and the Yukon. That would be our mystery bird. I'm going to hear more about something in the Yukon coming up on our show in just a little bit. By the way, the beautiful Droll Yankees big bottoms-up 16-inch finch feeder is our prize today. The Droll Yankees feeder, Droll Yankees makers of the world's best Bird feeders, and that feeder does carry the Droll Yankees lifetime warranty against squirrel damage. Extra, extra, read all about it. Here are some of the stories and videos that we have for you right now on our TalkingBirds.com website and Facebook page, in addition to that headset with the grackle there. New research suggests that the more bird species that live near us, the happier we are. We'll connect you to that study from the Goethe Institute in Frankfurt, Germany. It may be January, but it's kind of spring already if you're an owl. And to help demonstrate that, we'll connect you to live video of a long-eared owl nest in Missoula, Montana. 
and power struggles playing out at your bird feeders. We'll connect you to a story and video about that from the folks at the Cornell Lab of Ornithology. Those are some of the stories on our TalkingBirds.com website and our Facebook page right now. And just a reminder, check out our Kids in Nature page for some terrific ideas about getting kids interested in nature and birds. Well, we have a conservation salute uh, this week. Our conservation salute of the week goes to what might seem like an unlikely recipient, Nike. Yes, the footwear company, which has reportedly reduced their environmental impacts and supply chain emissions at their distribution center in Belgium that serves customers in the EU, the Middle East, and Africa. And the center is described as efficient, fossil-free, fossil-fuel-free, and operating as a closed-loop system that pr- produces no waste. This is pretty cool. Nike is also going greener by reducing unsold inventory and focusing on delivering customized products on demand. Nike is a member of the Sustainable Apparel Coalition, although environmental watchdogs suggest it still has a way to go before it can really be called a sustainable brand. But as the folks at goodonyou.eco say, it's a start. And so we offer a Talking Birds conservation salute for that good start to Nike. This is our other kind of salute. It's our salute to our Talking Birds ambassadors who are doing such wonderful things to help us spread the word about birds and conservation, which is what we're trying to do here on our show. And thank you so much to Lori B. from Bangor, Maine. Thank you, Lori, for joining our ambassadors family. Thanks to Diane Phillips from Wildwood, Illinois, just about five miles from Lake Michigan. Thank you very much, Diane. And speaking of lakes, thanks to Ben Fields from Oxford, Massachusetts, not far from, wish me luck here, Lake Chobungagongamog, which fortunately, for pronunciation purposes, is also known as Webster Lake. Thank you, Ben. Well, it's a new year, Talking Birds listeners, and we're committed to spreading the word about birds, bird conservation, and conservation in general. So will you help us by joining our ambassador's family? Uh, We think you'll like it. It really is easy to do. And you can sign up right now under the Get Involved tab at TalkingBirds.com. And don't forget, there's no G in Talking, at least in this case. Still to come on our show today, we'll catch up with Mike O'Connor in our Let's Ask Mike segment. On the topic, again, of eyes and eyelids, and of course, it being Mike, he's also going to add eyelashes uh, to the discussion on our Let's Ask Mike segment live this morning. And up next, inspired by listener and new ambassador Kimberly Mutu, who welcomes lots of these birds to her Pacifica, California backyard, it's our featured feathered friend, presented by Birdwatching Magazine. For more than a quarter century, Birdwatching has been North America's premier magazine about wild birds and birding. Attention bird researchers seeking a project. If you're looking to study a bird about which not a lot has been learned, you might consider the golden-crowned sparrow, one of our least known North American songbirds. It's a large sparrow with brown-streaked upper parts and an unstreaked gray breast, Its yellow crown, bright yellow in summer, is surrounded by a broad black cap. 
Its cheek is black and its bill is gray. The wings are brown with two white wing bars. Male and females are very similar in appearance. The golden crowned sparrow spends a lot of time in its wintering grounds in weedy fields and shrubby pastures from southwest Canada down the U.S. west coast to Baja, California. But it disappears in summer, traveling to its breeding grounds in British Columbia and Alaska. Back in the early 20th century, gold miners up in the Yukon knew this bird but weren't encouraged by it, interpreting its song as saying, no gold here. Or sometimes they heard it as, I'm so tired, which led them to refer to the bird as Weary Willie. Here's a bit of that song. In western backyards, the golden-crowned sparrow will visit ground feeders for seeds and it will also feast on fruit and flower buds, but also on the greens in your vegetable garden. And how's the golden-crowned sparrow doing? Well, Christmas bird counts suggest that the wintering population has increased since the 1960s, with its remote breeding sites keeping it relatively safe so far from direct human impact. But among the things that still need to be learned about this bird is just how its subarctic habitat is being impacted by climate change. Zonotrichia atricapilla, the golden-crowned sparrow. Today's Talking Birds featured Feathered Friend. Welcome again to our show number 816. That website is TalkingBirds.com and our Facebook page is another place we'd like to invite you to visit and Instagram too where we have some really cool pictures. That website is TalkingBirds.com. And up next here is our mystery bird contest in just one minute. The flutter of a tail feather. The flash of a wing bar in mid-flight. You don't always have a lot of time to identify a bird in nature let alone to appreciate its beauty. But with Vortex Optics, you'll have the power to bring every wild moment closer. When you choose Vortex, you're choosing to have a partner in the field as passionate about nature as you are. Whether you're spotting old friends on the backyard feeder or packing for a once-in-a-lifetime trip to cross a few species off your life list, Vortex offers a full range of optics and optics accessories for every birder and every budget. And whether the birds are taking you to another state or another country, you're always covered by the Vortex VIP warranty, an unlimited lifetime promise to keep you and your optic covered. If you want to learn more, or if you need help choosing your next optic, give Vortex a call at 1-800-4-VORTEX or visit vortexoptics.com. That would be the sound of our mystery bird, a stocky, medium-sized West Coast shorebird with a short, thick bill, yellow legs, a white tail with a broad black band and a white stripe along the wing, rusty on the back and breeding plumage, all gray and non-breeding plumage. It looks a lot like a purple shorebird of the East Coast. This is a bird that uh, can be found all the way from Alaska to Mexico and points south, non-breeding season. It nests up in the Rocky Mountain ridges of Alaska and the Yukon. That's our mystery bird in the beautiful Droll Yankees. Big bottoms up 16-inch finch feeder is the prize. And the all-important thing here is the phone number. 
Give us a call as soon as you can with your answer or your guess. 781-837-4900 is the number. 781-837-4900. Meanwhile, it's Let's Ask Mike live in just one minute. It's time again already for New Year's resolutions. Have you resolved to improve your birding skills? Maybe dive deeper into ornithology study? With one of the largest selections of birding books in the world, Beautio Books offers everything from backyard birding books to general ornithology, from field guides to photography skills, biography, fiction, and humor. You'll find it all and a whole lot more in one convenient place, beautyobooks.com. That's B-U-T-E-O, beautyobooks.com. Here's Robert Butler from Cape Ann, Massachusetts, on why he joined our Ambassadors family. I enjoy being a Talking Birds ambassador as I'm able to join with a community of people I have not met, but yet they share my values in the love of wildlife and also our wild lands. Talking Birds listeners, we hope you'll join our Ambassadors family. Just visit our website. Click on Get Involved at the top of the homepage at TalkingBirds.com. Now, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to talk with the man who volunteered to put those helmets on the great tail grackles down there with Texas A&M, but I think he was uh, turned down for the job. He's feeling kind of sad there. Good morning, Mike O'Connor. You know what? I'm so bad. Even a volunteer job, I get fired from. <laughs> yeah. How much did you offer to pay them for doing that? <laughs> no, really. It wanted no. nothing to do with me. All right. Well, you heard about the study there, and that's pretty interesting from Texas A&M about um, grackles and, and uh, when they oh, blink. I, and, how, and, and I saw the pictures. Uh, freaky. <laughs> it's pretty freaky, those little cameras on the grackles. But, yeah. They uh, say it's not too heavy. They can fly around with it, but it looks kind of... Heavy. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Yeah. Well, these, these birds weren't released into the wild. Oh, that's they right. Were they were just in a little cage a little controlled area. Cage, yeah, so, yeah. That's right. Yeah. Was, was, so they're okay. They're, they're okay. Yeah, but they're, you didn't. Yeah, they're back in the, at the yeah. bird feeders next yeah. door. Right It'd probably be a little better if you had put that helmet on. They'd be a little, little better looking there, but. Uh, I'd have done, I think it would have been more fashionable. I'll more tell you that fashionable, right yeah. <laughs> so you have some other thoughts about this whole thing with the nictitating membrane that birds have that slide sideways across their eye. Uh, and, and this kind of leads to our friend Tom Nakick's question about how birds protect their eyes when they dive into bushes or when they're chasing prey and all that stuff that sounds pretty dangerous exactly for yeah well another uh, 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 someone had sent me an email as eye doctor as a matter of fact and uh, she was wondering how birds because she notices birds don't really have eyelashes like our eyelashes keep the debris out when birds are flying she was worrying about bugs flying in into their eyes um, when they're in flight, and Tom worries about them when they're diving into bushes. Well, mm-hmm. birds, most birds don't have eyelashes, with the exception of a few, mm-hmm. um, namely ostriches in Africa, which, of course, they need them because they're putting their heads in the sand all the time, so mm-hmm. that protects their eyes from when they do that. And then the secretary birds, if you want to see something cool, punch up secretary birds' eyelashes. They look like... <laughs> Project runway models. They're unbelievable. <laughs> really, really cool looking eyelashes. But most birds don't have that. But they do have this nictitating eye uh, membrane that covers their eye. So uh, believe it or not, when birds blink, this is weird, but they don't close their eyes like we do when they blink. Hmm. They actually keep their eyes open, but this little membrane co- slides across hmm. like a windshield wiper or like closing a shower curtain goes right across and back. Yeah. And it not only protects their eye, and they can keep it there for, for quite a while, 
like in Tom's case, when they're diving into bushes, they, they close to protect themselves. Or when they're scrapping with something, hummingbirds mm. close their this membrane when they're fighting with each other at a feeder. But uh, seabirds or diving birds, loons and, and gannets, they close it when they're diving into the water or swimming under the water. So they, this little membrane serves as nature's goggles when they're uh, kind of keeping debris or when they're, they're getting into a tight situation. But they also like swimming goggles when they're underwater, when they're chasing fish, and it keeps the salt water out, although just the water out. And in some cases, this membrane is kind of milky, transparent, um, but in the, in the diving birds, it's clear, and the birds actually see through that. And there was some thought that there was actually a special lens that helped, allowed them to see even better underwater, but they're, they're kind of discounting that, ah. that now. Yeah, but even the, even the non-seabirds, they, they can still see when this thing is over there, right? It's just a, a translucent. It depends on, it's, like I said, some is a little bit milky, and they don't mm-hmm. see as well. Yeah. But they, they, they do do that. But the songbirds, and I don't even, you know, I, I, songbirds do it so fast. You know, I look at birds at my feet constantly, and I've never seen them close this third eyelid, they call it, until I started taking photographs. Now it seems like half my pictures are ruined by this, you know, milky-eyed bird. Looks like oh. you got needs cataract surgery or something like that. Well, you got a good excuse there anyway for those pictures. <laughs> Blame the bird for my bad photograph. I'd like to continue this conversation, but I'm going to go look up those secretary bird eyelashes. So, uh, yeah, I'm telling you, yeah. you won't be disappointed. <laughs> Talk to you next week, Mike. Okay, see you guys. Yeah, bye-bye. Stay Mike safe. O'Connor down there at the Bird Watchers General Store on Cape Cod. And meanwhile, we're coming back to our mystery bird contest while we have time here. It's a stocky, medium-sized West Coast shorebird with a short... Thick bill, yellow legs, and a white tail with a broad black band and a white stripe along the wing. And you might think our first call would be from the West Coast, but no. Neither is it from the East Coast, but indeed it's from way beyond the West Coast, somewhere in Hawaii. And Megan is there. Good morning, Megan. Good morning. How are you? Doing well. I think this might be our first call from Hawaii. I'm not sure about that, but welcome. What the heck time is it there anyway? It's pretty early, but I'm really <laughs> excited that I could actually tune in this morning. Well, thank you for 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 doing that. Which island are you on? Would you like to tell us where about you are? Yeah, I'm actually on the island of Oahu. So um, I'm just really excited to tune in, and my friend is actually listening right now in Rhode Island. So. In Rhode Island, okay. Yeah. Wow, we are spanning the globe here for sure. So, what do you think, Megan? Our mystery bird. What do you believe the identity of that bird might be? So this is really tough for me. I'm going to guess surfbird, but um, there's a couple others that I was thinking of, but I'm going to go with surfbird. Hmm. Surfbird is one you said. Just for curiosity, what were the other ones you were thinking of? This won't affect your your answer in anything. Yeah, uh, wandering tattler was another uh-huh. one, and then rock sandpiper. Rock sandpiper. But you will settle uh, there on surfbird, though, right? Yes. <laughs> yes. Well, yes. I didn't mean to make you nervous about that. Absolutely, absolutely right. Surfbird is yes. correct. Nice job. Uh, nice job there, Megan. Hey, would you like to try our, our bonus question? I think we have time for it here. Sure, absolutely. This relates to something on the show a couple of weeks ago. The horned grebe has an unusual eating habit, sometimes consuming which of the following? 
A, mud from the bottom of lakes and rivers. B, dry leaves that it finds floating on the water's surface. Or C, its own feathers. Which one of those do you think it might be? Oh, um, I'm going to go with B, possibly. Dried leaves. Uh, dried leaves that floating on the water's surface is... Uh, oh, my gosh. No, it's actually their own feathers. Uh, maybe there's a filter in their stomach or something like that, or maybe to hold fish bones until they become digestible. But that doesn't matter because you got the important question right there, Megan, and we'll be sending you that beautiful Droll Yankees feeder. All Thank right? you so much. Thank, Thank you. Thank you. Stay on the line and Jesse will get your info. Okay, thank you. Thank you, Megan. Surfbird was the answer. Next week, Krista Rolls will tell us about her Birding Tools podcast and her online bird ID course. We're out of time. Thank you, and see you next week. The bird show. I like that. I love Ray Brown's Talking Birds. Made possible by the generous support of the Bird Watchers General Store, Orleans, Cape Cod. BirdWatchersGeneralStore.com By Vortex Optics. With the VIP warranty. Their unlimited lifetime promise to keep you and your optic covered. Learn more at VortexOptics.com And Beautyo Books. An independent, family-owned bookstore carrying one of the largest selections of birding books in the world. BeautyoBooks.com And proudly sponsored by Ocean State Bird Club, a Rhode Island-based club of passionate birders like you. Become a member and check out the fall edition of our newsletter. Find us on Facebook and at OceanStateBirdClub.org.